Texans have an opportunity to cut state spending by as much as $13.8 billion, and Texas politicians can do nothing to stop them. We'll talk about how this might happen this week on episode 149 of the Liberty Cafe. Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to the Liberty Cafe. It's a blessing to have you here with me this week, whether it's the first week you've been here or the 149th week you have been here, if anybody happens to have been out there that long. It's also a blessing to be part of the Texas Scorecard Network and have Texas Scorecard as a sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. So please go over to texasscorecard.com and see what you can do. Learn what you can learn and then see what you can do to join the fight or better engage in the fight for liberty, particularly here in Texas, but wherever you might be. Well, about five to six weeks ago on episode 149, I talked about how the Texas legislature has really deceived Texas voters uh, into thinking, perhaps, that, that the state is spending less money than they actually are. And so I'm not going to go through all of that today. Let, let me just point out that the state, we all heard, or a lot of us heard anyway, that the state had a $32 billion budget surplus coming into last session. And that was true as far as it goes. But what that didn't account for was the new money the legislature had coming in for the next two years. If you put all that together, the legislature had about $80 billion more to spend during the legislative session in 2023 than they had spent during the legislative sessions back in 2021. $80 billion extra dollars. And so what did they do with that? Well, they increased spending by $69.2 billion. So they, out of the $80 billion, they spent basically all but about $10 billion on new spending. How, and, and new spending include property tax relief. How much of that went to property tax relief? Only about $12.8 billion. So you take out the 12.8, you take out the $10 billion, that gets us up to about $23 billion. So out of $80 billion of new money, they spent, the legislature spent about $57 billion of that on new stuff. Not, didn't put it into savings. They didn't give it back to us. They just spent it, $57 plus billion on stuff that they wanted to spend it on, not that we wanted to spend it on, or not that stuff we wanted to take back through property tax relief. And so, yet the legislature has essentially lied to us about how much of it they spent. You can find those numbers fairly easily, but they're kind of hidden. It's hard to find those. But even more so, they they told us that they only had $1.6 billion left over through what's known as a tax spending limit. That tells the legislature not how much they can spend in total, but how much they can grow spending from one, uh, one biennium one legislative session, one biennium to the next. They said they had $1.6 billion left over. But if you look at the numbers and go behind the scenes, really they were $12.2 billion over the spending limit. And the way they managed to do that is the subject of our conversation today on the Liberty Cafe. What they did 
rather than because you you can they could have voted to what is known as bust the spending limit or exceed the tax spending limit that limits the growth of funds and it only takes a majority vote so they were 13.8 billion dollars and what they wanted to spend was 13.8 billion dollars over what they could spend under the tax spending limit and they could deal with it well one of three ways actually one is they could just not spend the money i've been around talking to a lot of groups around the state lately and nobody has ever raised their hand when i asked them if that was the way they thought the legislature might have uh, might have gone the path they might have taken they they decided they wanted to spend every single bit of that money and so in order to get around the fact that they were 13.8 billion dollars over or actually they want to spend 13.8 billion dollars they were about 12.2 billion dollars over the cap so in order to, to deal with that rather than vote on it on the house floor and in the senate floor and let everybody know they were busting the spending cap in order to spend more money rather than say busting the spending cap to give us more property tax relief which dan patrick in december before the session even started said they wouldn't do instead he just he said that they would do some workarounds to allow more money to be appropriated and at the point that point in time that they were talking about 13.5 billion dollars going into property tax relief well they didn't even get that much he said he said they couldn't spend that much without doing some workarounds in order to uh, to not have to run into the tax spending limit well they didn't even get to that 13.5 billion dollars they only got to 12.8 billion dollars for property tax relief they they say it's more but that's a story for another day but just trust me 12.8 billion dollars is a real number the 18 billion dollars that they're telling about is just simply not true so another way the legislature is deceiving the voters but anyway patrick said no we're not going to bust the spending limit to give property more ta property tax relief well you can imagine that they wouldn't want to bust the spending limit to spend more money when they've already told us they weren't going to be busting it for us and so what they did instead was they simply just shifted this 13.8 billion dollars out of the regular appropriations process to an extent and put it in the Texas Constitution because the tax spending limit as written in the Texas Constitution applies only to non-dedicated non-constitutionally dedicated state spending so if they could go to the voters and put together propositions and send those to the voters to spend this 13.8 billion dollars through dedicating it constitutionally, then their problem was solved. They got to spend the money, which is what they wanted to do, but they didn't have to vote to bust the spending limit because they didn't want to do that. Instead, they just turned the decision over to us and let us bust the spending limit, essentially, by voting to approve the eight, what turned out to be eight amendments to the Texas Constitution. But... In addition to that, they didn't bother telling us that that's why they were doing that. I don't think, I mean, I know for a fact, no time since I've been paying Texas politics, paying attention to Texas politics, which is a while, no time have I ever seen the Texas legislature put this kind of funding on the, on the, um, on the November ballot for constitutional amendments to be approved by voters. 
And the reason is they've, they've never had, in my mind anyway, they've never had this much extra money. Uh, I know, you know, we all have just lots of extra money lying around we'd love to spend, but eh, we just don't really want to. It's just extra, so we don't really care what happens to it. Well, of course, th- this is what happens to it. We don't have extra money because the legislature does have extra money. And in this case, they wanted to spend $13.8 billion of that extra money. Remember, if you if you take that in the $10 billion, they really had about $23.8 billion of extra money this time around. And they decided they'd try and get us to do the $13.8 billion and still have $10 billion in the bank, which I assume they'll spend next time they get the chance. They may even try and spend some of this in the upcoming special session on public education and school choice. Because one of the things that we hear that they want to do with all this is spend more money on public education. Isn't that interesting? They're coming to, to do school choice, to give parents a choice, but they don't feel like they can do that without throwing more money at public education to kind of keep the public education lobby off their backs. Well, the truth of the matter is that that doesn't work. It never works. They take our money, taxpayers' money, throw it at public education to keep them quiet for a little bit, at the same time passing what appears, I mean, we could get something better, but it appears to be a really watered-down school choice program. And then they come back next session, and they have to throw more money at the public education lobby because now they're making more noise. But anyway, so that's what it looks like they're going to do. They are going might spend some more of our money on raising teacher salaries or raising administrator salaries or or whatever it might be over um, over the next legislative session. But th- that's not really what we're here to talk about. So let me get back to the, the ballots on the Texas Constitution. Because come this November, we're going to have eight propositions on the ballot that if Texans vote for them, 50% or more vote for them, 50 plus percent plus one vote for them, it will increase state spending by $13.8 billion. On the other side... If Texans don't approve them, 50% minus one or 50% plus one vote against them, then Texans have this opportunity that I mentioned at the at the intro to save cut spending by $13.8 billion. That's over two years and about $6.4 billion a year. So before I talk a little bit more about that, let's just go through these, uh, these constitutional amendments briefly. I'm not going to go to over them in detail, but I do want to give you an idea of what they are so you'll know which ones, at least I hope that you'll vote for, uh, vote against, but if you, you know, it's up to you to make your mind up on this. So let's look at the first one. Proposition two, this would allow, this is about child care facilities, this would allow cities and counties to reduce or eliminate local property taxes on targeted child care facilities that receive government subsidies. So this, this is a purely Democratic-sponsored measure. I, I guess they had to let the Democrats get a piece of the pie in order to kind of keep them quiet in the legislature. But all the, the sponsors for this for Democrats, at least the, the authors of the bills, were Democrats. And what it would do, it would allow counties and cities to just cut the property taxes for these special targeted child care facilities. The, these are ones that are already... Um, Linked in to the, uh, the 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 state uh, the Texas Workforce Commission programs, they uh, they already received government subsidies 
they are only for uh, lower income students. And, and so it, it's, it's really uh, an, an increase basically of government influence and involvement in child care in the state. So it's, it's not enough that they're already regulating some of these and giving them money, but now they want to give them more money and just have more influence over these. This is not be your, you know, <clears throat> what you might run across somewhere or some group of people or families open up a small child care center and um, run it in that way. This won't apply to them. So that's Proposition 2, child care facilities. There's no state cost on this because it only allows cities and counties to, to uh, cut the property taxes. So it doesn't cost us at the state level, but it would cost you, your local government's local revenue, which means you would have to pay more property taxes eventually to make up for that. So that's proposition number two. Let's move on to proposition number five. This is the Texas University Fund. So basically what this does is, is it creates a new fund, the Texas University Fund. Actually what it does is I think it renames an old fund. And I don't know what the name of the old fund is, but it re renames it the Texas University Fund. And it, it, it says here, it's to provide a dedicated, independent, and equitable. Isn't that nice? It's dedicated, independent, and equitable, which means particularly the, uh, the dedicated and independent things. That means once this is voted for, it's gone. The money's gone, and it's independent. We don't have any say for it, say over it after this point in time. It's gone. It's going to be taxpayers basically won't be able to fight back about against this anymore. And to fund emerging research universities in the state. So Texas has, last time I looked anyway, two tier one research institutions in the state, the University of Texas and Texas A&M. And it cost hundreds of tens of millions of dollars a year. I don't know how much it is, but it's a lot of money to probably hundreds of millions to of, of our money to get a university to the level where it can achieve this kind of tier one status. But there's other universities in the state who want to achieve this status too. They're, they feel left out and they want some more of our money so they can to be, be tier one universities and get all the prestige and status that comes from that and probably the pay raises and that kind of thing as well. This does have a cost to the state because once this, if we approve it and this Texas University Fund is renamed and created, then they would uh, transfer $208 million over the next biennium. Remember, Texas has a two-year budget cycle. And so over that two-year bud budget cycle, it would cost us taxpayers $208 million. And then after that, it would cost about $120 million a year after that. That would be money taken out from the rainy day fund. And so it, they, they have a rainy day fund in the legislature which is supposed to be used for emergency situations. But as we can see here, that's not the case because they'll be taking $120 million out of that or keeping it from going into it uh, just to fund something that's an ongoing every year kind of thing. So they don't, the rainy day fund is just sitting there waiting for the legislature to spend it. It's not for emergencies despite what they tell you. It's Proposition 5. Let's move on to Proposition 6. This would create the Texas Water Fund. And the purpose of this, according to the uh, Texas legislature, is to assist in financing water projects in this state. Now, we all might have some sympathy to this at one level when we see 
it's about water because if you're like I am, I'm I'm in Central Texas, in the Aust- in near Austin in the Texas Hill Country. It's really dry up here, and it costs me a lot of water to a lot of money to keep water flowing around here, just to keep some semblance of life going on. Mainly keep my grass from just totally dying off. Keep my trees that we spent some money on uh, from totally dying off and just you know doing the regular things we do with water. Nonetheless, this $1 billion, and this is a one-time appropriation. It wouldn't be any more after that. But remember, they had a lot of extra money lying around, so they looked for places they could spend this extra money, and this is one of them. They would put $1 billion into this fund to finance water projects. Well, I'm here to tell you, I've been working in the legislature for a long time, and I've been there for all, almost all of the major water bills that have passed. And what they do is they keep spending billions and billions and billions of our dollars on water. They say, we need to spend this billions of dollars because we need more water. And then they take that billion dollars and they put it into this system, which is all, it's all run by governments. It's all run by government bureaucrats. It's all run by government contractors. It's all run by engineers. It's, it's run by, it's run by and operated by people who benefit off the system. So as you can imagine, a lot of that money is spent on keeping all those people happy rather than necessarily getting us more water. So we we continue to spend billions of dollars of money on getting more water, yet we they continue to come back and tell us, well, we need more. I, I don't think we need more, in part because, you know, this is called socialism. Socialism is when the state owns or controls the means of production and the water that we use in the state is very much a part of the means of production. And so we're more and more, and with this $1 billion, even more so, we're handing control of the economy and the means of production over to the government. And I think that's the wrong thing to do. Let's move on to Proposition 7. This is the worst of the bunch, in my mind. They're all bad, but this is the worst. So Proposition 7 creates the Texas Energy Fund. Um, and it also creates what is known as a Texas Energy Loan Program. It's That's an interesting name because we, under the Texas Energy Fund, they can either loan the money or they can use it to give money to generators to incentivize new construction. So they, they actually, it's a Texas Loan Energy Loan Program, but my guess is they're going to give a lot of this money away. I'm sure they'll also loan it, but... As I, I talked to a person in the industry recently, and they said, you know, there's been low interest money available for a long time. It, it's a little higher now, but there's, I mean, for the last number of years, there has, interest rates have been historically low, yet nobody was building natural gas generation because of that. And we'll get to why in a second. So why do they think that new low interest loans will make a difference? Well, I suggest it probably won't. They'll be given a lot of this money away. But the, the real problem here is that, so why haven't they been building new natural gas generation? Because in the state of Texas, year after year after year, between the federal government, the state government, and local governments, we've been sending about $3 billion a year to renewable energy companies. And and it, it's up to about a third of what has been invested in the state of Texas over the last um, over the last 
well, since 2006 or so. So just think this. If you come to Texas and you build a renewable energy plant, you get about a third of your investment back. It's a little more complicated than that, but that's basically how it works. You get about a third of your investment back without even selling or worrying about the price that you're getting for your electricity. Nobody in their right mind would keep investing in natural gas. We actually have to worry about how much you can sell it for and how much you can sell. And in this case, and that's what's happened. Nobody's building new natural gas plants, not because interest rates are too high, but because everybody's chasing this renewable energy subsidies. But the legislature has refused multiple times in this past legislative session, Senator Bob Hall filed a really great bill that would take on renewable energy subsidies and end a lot of them. But the legislature has continuously refused to do that. So the subsidies are going to continue. And if they think $5 billion is enough to overcome a one-time investment of $5 billion is enough to overcome the, the $3 billion a year, and it's growing right now because of the new federal funds coming in through the IRA. So if they think that's going to be enough to overcome the renewable energy subsidies, they're just dead wrong. This isn't going to solve the problem, but it is going to cost Texans $5 billion. All right, uh, I've got four more to go, but I'm going to kind of move through these pretty quickly. Proposition 8, Texas Broadband Fund. So this is, you know, rural telephone companies are dying. And the reason they're dying is because people are getting, don't need copper near as much to get um, cell, phone, cell phone service. They just need a cell tower. And that's happening, you know, telephone companies are dying off everywhere because of that, landlines. I mean, they're still going on, but the revenues are hurting. But in rural Texas, it's particularly bad because there's not a lot of businesses to keep things going. So it's rural customers, and they're turning more and more to cell towers. And both for internet, you know, direct line of sight internet, and cell tower internet, and all different kinds of things. And so the, the answer to this problem is not to build, well, actually, the answer to this problem is to build more internet capacity and particularly we see this going on in the real world elon musk has sent spent billions of dollars sending satellites up into the atmosphere outer space and he's covered almost the whole globe apparently jeff bezos of amazon fame is doing the same thing so within the next few years all of texas will be blanketed with internet from outer space but that's not going to do much good for these rural telephone companies. So they were able to convince the Texas legislature to use $1.5 billion of the extra money that they had lying around to subsidize them building Internet uh, through, I assume they're probably moved past copper at this point and will be building glass fiber lines. But nonetheless, it's, it's a waste of taxpayer money. That's Proposition 8. Proposition 9, this is the other biggest of the bunch. This would be, uh, Proposition 9 would, would cost us $5 billion. It's a one-time thing. And it would fund a cost-of-living adjustment for retired teachers. Well, this kind of goes back to how we, we were talking when I opened this, was that Texas public education is just a sinkhole for money. They keep throwing money at it and throwing money at it. It's money that will solve the problem, except money never solves the problem. And then we hear, okay, it's not money that will solve the problem. It's school choice. And, I, you know, there are some goodish, good things about school choice, some things that need fixing, particularly about the way they might do it here in Texas. 
But competition is good. But even with school choice and competition maybe coming online, they can't give up throwing money at public education. And this is another case. Now, And this doesn't even do any good for current public education. It just raises the funding for retired teachers. And I, I don't know how it all works, but my guess is this kind of raises the level and future retired teachers will be eligible for more. I'm not sure about that. But what there, there was no promise uh, to teachers that they were going to get more in their retirement. I talked to a teacher the other day, a very nice lady, but she was saying, look, I, I sacrificed by taking this salary for, for teachers, and I wasn't able to get into Social Security. And so we deserve this. And, and I didn't say this to her, but my thought is, well, first of all, you didn't sacrifice any by taking a public teacher's salary because they make more money than the average person by far. And second of all, I wish I wasn't in Social Security. I could have put that money to use much better by putting in an IRA, you know, Roth or an IRA or whatever it might be. I'd be much better off too. So I just, you know, some people might feel sympathetic towards retired teachers, but I don't feel sympathetic enough to spend $5 billion of taxpayer money on this. Proposition 10, this is a medical products exemption, and it basically just exempts school property, uh, some of these facilities from school property taxes. So in the case of school property taxes, unlike the city and the county, this will cost the state money because every time school districts exempt some entity from property taxes, the state makes up the money because of the way the school funding formulas work. This one would cost $43 million in the first um, two years. It's really in the first year, but that doesn't occur until the second year of the biennium. And then it'll increase by five to $6 million annually. So everybody in both everybody in the state will be contributing to this. And, and the big problem with this is why medical products exemption, right? Why not an exemption for um, home-based political consultants or home-based policy consultants? Like, I, why don't I get a property tax because I'm running a business out of my home or whatever it is, right? Well, the reason is, is because the government shouldn't be determining what are the best businesses through tax policy. You know, tax everybody equally and fairly and much lower than we do today. And then let people and the markets figure it out. Proposition 10, medical products exemption, is a bad one. And then finally, Proposition 14, the Centennial Parks Fund. This would, again, it's a billion dollars out of the extra money the legislature had, and they put it in this um, Centennial Parks Conservation Fund, which is created. And the reason they create all these funds is you take the money, you put it in this fund, it's constitutionally dedicated, and then forever it counts, it's outside of the... Um, the, the, the tax limit, the TSL, the tax spending limit, it, that will no longer apply. And so they can spend this money ongoing in the case where some of it's funded over time without having it count against the tax spending limit. And so anyway, this is a billion dollars, and all it's going to do is just buy more parks. And my thought is I love parks. I go to state parks, uh, and, and they're nice. But I think... We have plenty of state parks. I'd like a lot more private parks, but nonetheless, I don't want the government buying more of our land. I think that it's in better hands in private hands. So, so that's the eight constitutional amendments that we have to vote on in November, the November 
election, which is, I think, Tuesday, November 8th, maybe? It's right around that. I'm sure you'll know. So I would just say that, that this is an unprecedented opportunity for Texans. Never have we directly had control over this much spending. You know, a few million here, you know, something like that, but never $13.8 billion. That $13.8 billion is, if you, you know, divide it in half, it's um, $6.9 billion over a two-year period. So about $7 billion. Our total spending of state's funds over the annual basis the next two years is only about $110 billion or so. So this is, um, so $7 billion is about, what, 5% of that, something like that. You, the Texas voters, can go out there and you can reduce state spending by 5% over the next two years. And all you have to do is vote no on these eight constitutional amendments. There's other, a few constitutional amendments out there, including the one that would bring more property tax relief to us. You know, go ahead and vote for those if you'd like. But these... I would highly recommend you that you take advantage of this opportunity that has never been had before and that would never, probably never be had again. Put this money, take it away from spending, take it away out of the hands, out of these politicians in Austin, put it back in savings, and then when they come back in 2025 to spend this money again, the $13.8 billion and the $10 billion in the surplus already and whatever the other money is that'll be coming in, you know, we could be close up again to about the $32 billion that we had coming in into this legislative session. And tell your legislators by your vote right here that you want that money back and you want all that money back in property tax relief. You don't want them spending your money on new projects just because they think they have a little extra money lying around. Well, thank you very much for listening to me today, and I went a little bit longer today than I usually like to do, but I wanted to make sure we all had an understanding of what's at stake this coming November 8th. And also, thank you once again to the sponsor of the Liberty Cafe, Texas Scorecard. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.